Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey everybody, it's Wednesday, uh, May 12th, another edition of Ohioan. As always, we've got Brandon and Craig with us. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Good. We were just talking beforehand, uh, a big notable day, I guess, in our Ohioan little family, I guess. Um, Craig celebrated his birthday yesterday. Um, uh, Brandon and I thought maybe it was just a ploy to have him take a day off, but I guess it was his birthday. Happy <laughs> birthday, Craig. What would you do? Uh, well, I worked. Um, had to do a little bit of work, and then uh, went out to eat, and came home and had some cake. And that's about it. But it was pretty good. I like that. Very nice. Um, we were talking late yesterday. I was excited. Um, you got another venture as part of your pop culture show. Can we promo it? Um, yeah I, yeah, I mean, obviously, we've had uh, had George Thomas on a few times from the Akron Beacon Journal. Uh, he and I will be uh, sitting down to talk about pop culture, uh, not just movie reviews, but we'll also talk about uh, topics in Hollywood. Uh, I think this week uh, we'll get started on Thursday. We'll have those released on Friday with all of our other pop culture stuff. And uh, this week we'll be talking about the Hollywood Foreign Press, the Golden Globes being uh, boycotted by a lot of actors and studios and uh, people in Hollywood. So we'll be talking about that, among other things. So it'll be uh, really fun, as most of you have listened to George. Uh, he's very, uh, very personable and, uh, and very, very smart when it comes to movies. So I can't wait to talk to him about not just movies, but you know, topics in Hollywood and also maybe what he's streaming as well. Yeah, it's definitely appointment listening. I, I got that listened to. I I have a hard time listening to my own voice. I don't like to listen back to our podcast. Um, I just don't like my voice. I guess I don't know. Uh, uh, man, that might be a personal issue. But man, George Thomas, man, I can't wait. Should be Very fun. Uh, that should be up Friday morning. All right. Well, Brandon, Craig, let's get started with some of the news of the day. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, so far, the major uh, funding mechanism, I guess, uh, from the start of President Biden's administration is this American Rescue Plan. And I think, was it near a, a trillion, Brandon, overall? Yes, 1.9 trillion, right? Uh, yeah, 1.9 trillion total. Okay, and then it, it's kind of interesting. Overall, um, Ohio is slated to get uh, $12 billion in the American Rescue Plan. Um, $5.4 million is going to the state, while $6.6 billion is going to 37 Ohio cities and all 88 counties. I know uh, the Beacon Journals were writing some stories about, you know, I think, the Beacon, I know, well, not the Beacon Journal, but nice that the Beacon get the money. But I mean, I think Akron was getting a pretty large chunk themselves too. Um, kind of interesting. I know this is a political hot potato right now. Um, you know, if you're a Democrat, you love it. If you're Republican, you hate it. But you know, this is where the rubber meets the road. I mean, obviously, COVID nineteen has had a major effect on our economy, and it's going to continue to have a major effect. So here's a chance for cities to get some monies back. Um, what do you think, Brandon? I mean, I think this is going to be good for now. Do you, do you think this is going to last, or do you think more monies will be needed by some cities and townships that it's slated to go to? Well, I don't really know. The question of is it enough is, you know, that's a it might vary for each community or municipality and 
for the state in general. Um, so, you know, any relief is better than no relief. So, you know, um, it's, this is mostly a, just a bandaid and, uh, to the pandemic and, uh, um, you know, it's, but at some point, you know, federal government can't keep, um, you know, putting out such huge, such huge relief packages. So most, another reason to, you know, Hey, help, help us out, get vaccinated, uh, you know, try to stay as home as much as possible if you can, um, and social distance and wear a mask. So try to help us end this pandemic. So we're not wasting, you know, taxpayer dollars just to, for, for, for communities hit by this pandemic. Yeah. I'm looking for the list. Uh, there's a list uh, here on uh, a story. Talk about how much cities are getting. And I think it's mentioning some of the bigger cities, I'm seeing Toledo with 180 million, uh, Akron, I think it was uh, close to 145, Cincinnati, 279, Cleveland, 511, Canton, 63. Yeah, yeah some of the notable ones. Um, counties, trying to see if there's a big number that jumps out to me. Uh, you, you look at places like Cuyahoga County with 239 million, and even small counties like Adams County is getting 5 million. Um, Craig, you cover Sandusky County. I'm kind of looking to see where Sandusky slated. Uh, they're getting 11.3 million. Um, Craig, I'm not sure if you've talked to them yet about a story, but where do you envision that money going to a smaller county like, uh, Sandusky? You know, I haven't talked to him, so I'm sort of, uh, really interested to see, you know, where this money might be earmarked. And, you know, I don't want to speculate because I just, I'm not really sure if this money is supposed to be earmarked for certain things, uh, like a lot of the CARES Act funding has been. But, um, you know, maybe this is something that they can help, you know, pad some of their general fund losses, things like that. But um, actually, you know, Sandusky County really, you know, their budget from year over year wasn't really that much lower. It might have been a couple hundred thousand dollars lower as far as, uh, going in from 2020 uh, now into 2021. So the pandemic obviously hurt in some ways, but um, I think they were able to kind of weather the storm and probably get through it better than other counties were uh, because a lot of Sandusky County jobs and things like that are, are manufacturing and in, in, industry. So they're able to keep a lot of those people working throughout the pandemic. So I'll be interested to see what they use this 11 plus million dollars because it's uh, it's definitely going to help in some capacity. I just uh, wonder if they have certain criteria they're they're going to have to use it for. Uh, so definitely don't want to speculate on to, as to what they'll use it for, but I'm sure it'll uh, be a welcome addition to whatever they're able to do with it. And Brandon, I got to correct something I said originally. There was a large township, I believe it's near Cincinnati, that's getting money. Um, but they're saying that Ohio's um, 13, over 1,300 townships were mostly left out of the allocation. So Rob Portman uh, said, you know, they're working with the Treasury Department to see how they would benefit, too. I, I know from some of the areas that we've covered in the past, that's kind of a big deal, too. Um, I'm wondering what happened to the townships in that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how they decided what what municipalities or townships get um, get some dollars there. I don't know if it was related to representation uh, in the house or whatnot. So, um, you know, just um, um, but yeah, just it's funny because like recently, you know, with the talk of earmarks funding actually kind of maybe coming back to DC, um, it was uh, funny to see a list of all these. Uh, capital or earmark projects, I guess you call it for uh, our uh, our congressional district here in Columbus. And I, I clicked on it and it's like, oh yeah, there's no projects for the hilltop. But, you know, that's why I go out and put it online and I just tell people, hey, you know, um, can always, here's the contact info, talk to your rep and ask what's going on. What's the process? Is there projects on the pipeline? So um, just always, always good to stay engaged, I suppose. Yeah, and check with your local media. I'm sure, you know, you know, places like the Fremont News Messenger, Wall Stories on the road and everything. Because it'll be interesting to see how the money's being used. 
Uh, the story says there are limitations. Like you can't say, hey, we've got this money, so lower taxes for everybody. Or you can't pay down debts. It's money you need to use to help people. But there's a lot of possibilities of how that money can be used. It's just up to each individual area. Um, yeah, and I'm with you, Brandon. I mean, I'm sure people on the political side says, hey, we don't want to give out this money. Well, the longer COVID goes, you're going to have a situation where more money is going to be needed and this could come up again. So, you know, if we get the herd immunity going, more people getting a vaccine and everything, we, we would get to the place where we wouldn't have to have a relief program for something like COVID. Um, saying that, Brandon, I'm not sure if that's possible or not. It's, it almost seems like a pipe dream, but, you know, I make it hope, I guess. Yeah, a lot of good points all around. Sorry, you kind of broke up there, Chris. Well, well I was saying, in theory, it'd be great to say, hey, you know, everyone get the vaccine, so COVID goes down, yep. we don't have to do this again. But it, it almost sounds like a pipe dream. You, you know, I hate to say it. I hate to be a little grumpy this morning, but I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not. Yeah, I mean, um, and at some point, it's just something we're going to have to live with, like the annual flu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely <laughs> something to think about. All right. Well, let me give you guys some advice. and We'll, we'll keep on top of this. Uh, Craig, I'm, I'm curious to see how l l small areas do that. So as you get some answers, yeah, let us know. Um, I think Sandusky County is a good example of small county. And I'm anxious to see how um, these areas are using this money that comes in. But, you know, we talk about money and, you know, money's hard. I mean, Sadly, the American Rescue Plan, I mean, I guess we are getting stimulus pay payouts, but we're not going to see any more of that you know, money. So, you know, we're all careful. We're all trying to save our money and everything. Uh, sometimes you might need a bank. And if you need a bank and your bank's not working for you, we encourage you to check out Chase Bank. Uh, it's the personal bank for me. Um, the bank I used to use, there was nothing available. Um it was hard for me to find that bank. Uh, Chase Bank, there's a lot of banks around. It works for me online-wise. Um, you know, it, it makes banking easy. I really appreciate it. And look, if you use our link, either on the podcast provider or if you're listening to, to us through the website, uh, viewfromthepew.club, click on the link, start an account, attach a direct deposit to it, which obviously you need to if you have a bank account, they will pay you. It used to be 200 bucks. It's now up to 225 bucks to deposit in your account. So it's an easy way of, you know, getting some money in the account to start you out with. And, you know, I'm also thinking, too, you know, you might say, well, hey, I've been a part of X Bank for many years. Well, hey, your kid, you know, maybe your teen needs a, a banking account. You know, I, I would imagine this works for teens. Maybe start your team out and they'll have some money to work with and start saving with. So uh, try Chase Bank. Uh, it'll help you out and help us out as well. Um, guys, here's another thing that was kind of interesting. We've been talking about uh, policing lately. And I know I've had some people on from the dispatch where a lot of uh, pastors and people were very concerned. They were looking at who this next Columbus police chief is going to be. Uh, there's an interim one uh, in power right now. Uh, but they're trying to find a new one, and they released the list of people who are um, like the nine people they're going to bring in for interviews. Um, Craig, I'm not sure if you got a chance to look at this list yet. I, I thought it was interesting. 34 people applied. They picked nine uh, to interview. Uh, they're hoping to have a police chief named by the end of May. Uh, you see uh, seven of the nine are of color. Uh, there's actually one. I thought this was kind of interesting was an LGBT candidate as well. So it looks like a pretty diverse um, panel of people. Um, kind of interesting. None of them are coming from Columbus. It's an outside hire. Um, anything kind of strike out to you about this list, Craig? Well, I think the, the biggest thing that stands out is they've really, I think, put an emphasis on having a diverse candidate pool and first and foremost, I think you always want to have that. Um, but, you know, you also wonder, you know, what direction they may go. Obviously, they have a lot of 
the the credentials from all of these nine candidates seem to be you know well worthy of taking over a job like Columbus. But at the end of the day, whoever does take this over, they're going to be going into a, a really hostile situation with you know all the police you know involved shootings that have gone on. Right now, the department doesn't have a good look, and I think their their best option is to to figure out who they think is going to be able to lead them not only through the the difficult times right now, but maybe you know, improve and lead them into the future. And, and that's what they're tasked with is picking one of these nine people to really, you know, get them through the hard times and then take them to the next level to where Columbus does not rank among the highest cities in the country per capita for police shootings. So um, it's it's not going to be an easy task to hire the right person, but it looks like the, uh, you know, the nine that have, you know, been up, that have been named have an opportunity to really step up and, and maybe bring a different perspective. And I think hiring from outside is probably the best option at this point. Yeah. Brandon, it's another good testament of how important local journalism is. Uh, Brandon, I'm not sure if you were working with me at the time, uh, but we uh, covered a small area and um, I requested names of superintendent candidates and I, I think the PR person I was working for assumed I would just put the names of the Super Tank Cades in the article. But, you know, we wrote very similar to the dispatch article we're looking at where there's names, a little bit by each candidate. And I remember the PR guy marching to the office yelling at me saying, how dare you? I'm like, no, look, this is public record. This is taxpayer information. It's pretty, it's pretty much out there. Um, is there anything that strikes you about this list? Uh, anybody stick out? Uh, I don't really think. I think we all nailed it on the head. On you know, like this is pretty. It's outsiders. I think that's the bigger, bigger yeah. narrative there. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be bold and make a prediction here, and I'm gonna say that, uh, you know, you know, maybe this chief will stick around for a while, but I don't think it's gonna bring the the, the necessary change that residents are gonna ask for. Um, it may, and if you know. <coughs> You know, and I think um, I don't know. And I, you know, you, I think it's like because they've tried to do this where they change leadership and sure, maybe it was more internal changes. But still, I think it's like um, we're coming into a time and era where where the, the traditional hierarchies of um, of the pri of, of, of work culture, just thinking of the police department as a as your as like any other work office, you know, um, you know, those are, those are coming, those are changing. I mean, those have been in other traditional office state settings. They're, they're getting changed every day. This, the whole idea of like, Oh, you know, you have a, a head of boss and then several executives underneath and grunt workers. And it's just kind of a chain of command. Um, you know, that, that was, the, you might not find that in every kind of new or old or even old and existing companies. Um, that's trying to be more collaborative, trying to be more, um, you know, less less of a hierarchy, more of a collective in a sense. And I don't know. I'm, I think that, but I'm not saying like necessarily any police department needs to go that route. But I'm just saying like the idea of like a single single police chief coming in and changing changing culture overnight is 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 a uh, is a bit of a is a bit laughable. But um, so that's what I think. You know, yeah, great, diverse candidates, awesome. Um, and I think, um, uh, but I think, it, it, I think it's really maybe, you know, I would hope that, you know, there, this is like just not a, oh, we got a new chief and change is coming. Just maybe it's like, hopefully this chief can help push and say, hey, we need to have like a different types of, uh, of a leadership structure here, um, different ways to, get the bottom to speak to the top in a sense. Um, so those are just some ideas. Nothing tangible comes to mind, but I don't necessarily think that um, just, Hey, we have a structure and the only thing we, the only thing we can change is the person <laughs> is, yeah. is, uh, is, is not, is not, is, is narrow minded to say the least. A couple of things that jumped out to me. Um, you know, the article did say, hey, they could interview more people. So this isn't just the only nine they're, they're able to interview. But, you know, hey, nobody from the Columbus Police Department. And I think they're de definitely sending a message. 
I know Mayor Andrew Ginsler was kind of upset, you know, and yeah, we've had three shootings of, um, you can't really say unarmed people of color, but, you know, uh, three situations recently that, you know, really enraged the city. And I know, well, I don't know this, but I would assume that Columbus isn't just hiring based on quota, but I would be surprised if they didn't hire someone of color or somebody very sympathetic because you didn't have people in that um, role in the past. And I think it definitely hurt. Um, so I, I think you're definitely going to see that. Uh, you're going to see some change. I know after the shooting of Kea Bryant, uh, the police were starting to kind of say the right things about, hey, maybe we need to change the way we do things. And I think, I, I agree with you, Brandon. I think it's a little too much to say, oh, this new chief's going to come and change everything. Everything's going to be rosy. But I think with Ginther kind of overseeing things, I think there's going to be a push to say, hey, Sasko is not working. Let's do something different. Now, the so I think the process is going to be started right. I'm not sure how long it's going to take. It's not going to happen overnight, I guess. That's what I'm saying. All good points around. And, and I got to say, it's interesting. I had a situation, I think it was two nights ago, where uh, there was fire trucks and there was police um, across the street. Uh, we're thinking somebody, there may have been an overdose issue. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what happened. But I'll tell you, wife and I were looking across the street a little bit more. We're not anti-police, but after everything that happened, you know, it, that attracts your interest a little bit more. I mean, they had uh, five police officers at, over at a time. And, again, I'm not anti-police, but after everything that's happened, you tend to pay more attention to that stuff than you did in the past. So, uh It'll be interesting. I got to say a little bit of a funny note. Um, Craig, have you ever looked at these jobs and said, man, maybe I should apply to be a police chief. Let's see if I can make it. Um, it, it scared me for a second. One of the interview candidates, uh, David Taylor, it says he's an FDIC national account manager. I'm like, man, how do you get this police chief position or a police chief interview? But he did work for uh, 30 years as a member of the D.C. <clears throat> police Department. Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably be eliminated after the application process, considering I have uh, you know, no criminal justice degree or no previous experience in police uh, work. So, uh, you know, the day that we see a, a Joe Schmo like myself running for police chief um, will probably be the day that we may no longer require police departments. One of my favorite stories growing up, and I'm not sure if people are doing this anymore. Uh, they probably got yelled at a little bit. Um, Canton Repository is my hometown newspaper. And, like, they would have, like, McKinley was a big high school. So they said, all right, McKinley was looking for a new head basketball coach. So, you know, two weeks after the, the uh, they said, hey, we're looking for people. The Repository would print the article, kind of like what we're seeing here with Columbus Dispatch, where they would list every applicant. And it was kind of humorous because it would be, hey, stock boy from Giant Eagles applying. You, you know, a bunch of people that you know would have no business being the uh, coach for a high school basketball team. Uh, it, it made me laugh. I'm sure it probably got the paper yelled out a little bit by people who said, hey, I don't want to know I'm applying for another job. But uh, it just makes me laugh a little bit. So. I don't know. You probably can't do that that much anymore. So, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know a lot of people are looking at the police chief hire. Uh, Danae King has won the show uh, various times. Uh, she's talked to us at length about some of her conversations with area pastors downtown uh, that are really concerned about what's happening racially down there. And I know, like, this pastor group says, hey, we really need a person of color there. So, it'll be interesting to see how the city responds. I would imagine it'd be a person of color, and I would imagine even if it wasn't a person of color, it'd be somebody very sympathetic, is my prediction, which I think is pretty safe uh, to assume there. Um, but before we move on, uh, some other good advice. Um, try to give good advice to the Columbus Police Department, uh, but if you need good advice about furniture, man, my I talked about my love seat, and I was sitting up there with my daughter last night, and my a little frustrated, my daughter was just tearing a little rip at the sea. I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. 
well, it's not love seat. We need to get thrown out, or we need a cover for it. And I'll be honest, guys, I it's hard. I mean, you know, I'm working five days a week. My wife's working. I, you know, we don't have that much extra time. We got two special needs kids that here at the house. What do you do? How do you make some time? Well, especially for furniture shopping, if you're shopping for furniture, hey, an afternoon's gone the way it used to be. But Ashley Home Store is trying to change that up. Uh, if you click on our link on our website or on uh, your podcast provider, they'll give you a coupon right away. A coupon that you can use on your web visit. Pick out furniture. Uh, they have a bunch of locations. You can arrange to have it delivered to your house. So, man, online shopping is fantastic. And why not online shop for your furniture? Try Ashley Home Store. Love looking around the store. But, again, their website's fantastic, too. I'm sure you could probably even print out the, the coupon, take it to the store. They wouldn't mind, too. So uh, definitely check out Ashley Home Store. It's a good place. And, Brandon, I'm really proud of myself because, remember, yesterday on the Ashley Home Store ad, you, uh, you almost lost me, Brandon. Uh, you, I almost died, and you had to do the whole next story. Yeah, uh, I hope you're doing a lot better. Uh, <laughs> I was like talking my head off, like trying to read the story to get back to the facts again because I didn't know I was going to be playing co-host. But uh, yeah, fun oh, times. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I, I was hacking to death. Craig, it was awful. <laughs> Your birthday almost became my death day. It was, it was bad. Um, oh, I'm glad you made it through. Yeah, I tried, I tried to eat something, went down the wrong throat, and I was hacking during Ashley Home Store. And I apologize to Ashley Home Store. It wasn't the best read. But, again, Ashley Home Store, a fantastic place to do your furniture shopping. Um, Another story, and, you know, I'm trying not to wear everyone out with the COVID talk. Honestly, it's something that's still um, a serious problem. It's something we've got to pay attention to. Uh, the Cleveland Clinic, uh, they did a study of their employees who have been vaccinated with um, against COVID. And, you know, I, I think the three of us here wouldn't be surprised by this study, but they're releasing it, hoping it would help people who are unsure about the vaccine. Um, they, they said 99.7% of the infections at uh, Cleveland Clinic, uh, people who got COVID, they occurred among those who were unvaccinated, and only 0.3% of the infections occurred among those who are fully uh, vaccinated. Uh, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, look, here's more evidence that if you get the vaccination, you're okay. Uh, yes, you can still get COVID, but it's very limited. It's not going to be as serious. Um, I don't know. I mean, I like to study, Brandon. I, I think it's helpful. I, I still got to think that people who just don't want to get the vaccine aren't going to get the vaccine. Like, I'm like I'm trying to figure out with this vaccine, the, va the vaccine hesitancy, they call it, like people don't want to get the vaccine. What do you think will help? I mean, this report's interesting. I think this report is factual. But I'm not sure if reports like this are what it takes to help people change their minds. It's really not even a story, Chris. It's not even worth reporting. Um Maybe it is. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it. It's almost. Uh, uh, well, duh. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't. I, it's just like it would be more of a story if the vaccine was not effective. But the fact that, yeah, 99 percent of people of covid cases, um, you know, are um, unvaccinated. Well, no surprise. Um, it's a. Uh, um, as far as what will get people to get vaccinated and get a mask, I have no idea. I, I honestly don't. Leadership, the damage has already been done. Um, leadership, the, the leadership for, for the leadership, the leaders that they value have already, you know, drawn their, their line in the sand and, um, or you know, have set have set the you know I don't know maybe it's not a great analogy maybe they've set the they've already casted typed in the uh, the the commandments in the tablet or whatever tabula or whatever uh, it's just uh, this is something we're gonna have to live with you know um, people have their minds made up at this point um, the only thing that might change their mind is if they know of someone personally that's been in the hospital with COVID probably. 
to some degree, maybe, uh, you know, maybe losing a loved one to this all god awful pandemic. But I don't even then, even then, you've heard stories of people who have had COVID and they still think, I can't be have, I can't be dying from COVID. I'm in the hospital. I'm, you know, I'm on oxygen. I'm, I'm, or I'm dying from COVID, and I, I can't be dying from COVID. It's got to be lung cancer or something. <laughs> uh, that that story that story still makes me angry. Just when I heard that one nurse tell that uh, uh, last year, so um, or earlier this year, so um, it um, yeah, statistics. We all have statistics, and last year is a great case study of people manipulating the statistics to fit their narrative. Yeah, and Craig, I'm kind. Of, I guess if there's a surprise in the story, is that there's people who work at the Cleveland Clinic that aren't vaccinated. I, I'm not sure who these people are. I don't know if it's the cafe worker or what's going on. That, that kind of surprised me. Well, you know, I, I don't think anything surprises me anymore about people getting or not getting the vaccine. I think, um, you know, when 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 everybody's when we started doing stories about the vaccine getting ready to roll out and. You know, we started talking to schools and to law enforcement officials, and then we actually started seeing the, the real data come out on how many, you know, long-term healthcare facility workers weren't getting the vaccine. It, it kind of made me, I was kind of surprised at first, but then I kind of realized that just because someone works in the law enforcement field or the education field or, you know, a long-term healthcare facility or a, a hospital, doesn't necessarily mean that they're a hundred percent gung ho about vaccinations, and you know everybody has their own personal preference. You would think that people that were exposed, especially at nursing homes and long-term care facilities, would want to get the vaccine, but some people just simply do not want the vaccine. Whether it's because they don't like vaccines in general, or they're nervous about how quick it got going. There's, I guess I'm not surprised by anything at this point. So you would expect many at the Cleveland Clinic to have gotten the vaccine, and I'm sure that there is a, is a nice large majority. But I guarantee that there's always going to be someone in any field, whether it's healthcare or or anything otherwise, that people just are not going to get the vaccine. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, too, you know, I hear people who don't want to get the vaccine, they're like, I don't want the vaccine. Well, a lot of it is how can you help other people? Um, I, you know, they made news this week. Pfizer, uh, pretty soon there's an authorization expected for uh, kids 12 to 15. And uh, one of the Columbus TV stations did a story, and you know, one of the families that the reporter interviewed was saying, "Hey, the family's excited because now the kids can go see grandma," because the fear was. The kids could be a carrier of COVID and pass on to grandparents. So a lot of it too, and yeah, you want to keep yourself healthy. I mean, that's why I got vaccinated. But you want to make sure your family is okay too. Um, I think you know that part's important. And I, I just don't. I mean, I, I guess if you don't want the vaccine, you have a right to. I, I don't think we need to mandate vaccinations and force vaccinations. But I'm really kind of questioning what the the reasoning is. Um, it's it just... I'll go ahead and say it. I mean, I think it's kind of selfish if you don't do that. I, I mean, uh, not just for yourself, but for other people. It, it's tough. And, you know, um, I, I promised I wouldn't mention the Columbus crew today, but um, one quick reference to Columbus crew. Uh, you know, at their game last Saturday and the Columbus Clippers had their home opener last night, and I'm guessing it's going to be the case in other games around the state. There is pop-up uh, COVID, uh, you know, vaccinations available. I mean, it's a Johnson Johnson vaccination, so you know they're not making it that hard for you. I mean, I know at the beginning it was hard to find a, a time to get vaccinated, but it's as easy enough where you know go you go to the crew game, you can get vaccinated on your way to your seat. You know, I mean. I would cut in and say, like when when I heard that story on on because uh, I was at the game on Saturday, I, I told my wife like I never heard any advertisement for that to be honest. Like, and you need to have your insurance card apparently for that. Um, so like maybe if someone not everyone I assume takes their insurance card with them everywhere, but um, you know that, I felt like that was more PR if anything. You know, I mean, 
great that they do it. I just think, hey, if you're going to like have be giving out um, doing pop-up visits like that, please advertise at least a week out. <laughs> yeah. It's not hard. Yeah, I'll give a personal beef I had with the whole thing. Um, I was uh, doing um, the website for Columbus Dispatch on Saturday morning, and I guess not many people heard about it. I mean, there was a press release. It came out late. I'm like, man, we need to have a story. And honestly, we heard about it. Well, and the Clippers they announced a couple days in advance, but you know, for the crew, it was weird because we heard it, you know, in the morning, and you know, the game was at 1 p.m. So it's like even a website where you can get information out right away, it kind of makes it hard to know what to do. Um, Craig, I know here in Columbus, there's more, I guess, bigger crowd chances to see it. Uh, do you think um, in smaller areas you might see that sometimes? even a pop-up vaccination clinic at an event too. Well, you know, they've had pop-up, not pop-up vaccination clinics because unfortunately they've had such low turnout for some of these larger scale clinics that they've stopped really doing larger scale clinics. So um, I don't know really what the answer is because you can, you know, we've had people, we've had incentives thrown out there like the free donuts and Krispy Kreme. Um, in the real incentive is that we can get back to normal life, but I, you know, it seems like there's no, there's nothing that anybody can do unless you're paying people money. And even then I don't think you'd still get people to come get the vaccine, you know, but there's gotta be a way to, to maybe incentivize this even more than just the idea that we can get back to normal because people don't seem to think that that's worthy enough to, to get the vaccine. So, you know, it'd be nice to have, Things like that. We we haven't really had any large scale events in the Sandusky County area. Obviously, we'll have um, the uh, Sandusky County Fair coming up in August. Uh, so maybe that could be one of those situations where, you know, maybe they could have something going on there. But as of right now, they just really haven't had a whole lot going on to to have events that maybe they would offer that um, as opposed to just the normal walk in, make an appointment kind of day. I got an idea, you know, before we go to our next good advice. You know, Dan Tierney is a friend of the show now, so I'm working good with the governor's office. How about if we have, like, a game show? I don't know, like, what would it take or something where we have Governor DeWine on and we have people call in who don't have the vaccine, and they would talk to the governor and say, and the governor would be like, man, what can I give you for you to get the vaccine? And there'll be a little bit of a like a pawn stars negotiation back and forth to see what it would take. You think that'll work? Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. It, it's uh, you, you hope something like that could work. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know if you can persuade people. The people that don't want it are not going to get it seemingly no matter what. So I don't I don't know. It's hard to really say what to, what to think here anymore. Brandon, are you green lighting the show? Would that take us to the next level? Uh, I'm, I'm not sold yet. Okay. All right. Probably, probably wouldn't be basketball, but like a game of basketball. If Mike DeWine may not be. <laughs> Chris, just stop. <laughs> I had to be, we had to be fine. We're talking about serious issues. So it's stuff. All right. We'll, we'll move forward. Move ahead. Um, Hey, you know, you want unique clothes. Um, Look inside my uh, dresser or, or my um, uh, my um, closet. My, my clothes are boring. I've got a bunch of tan dress pants, a bunch of black dockers. Um, I, I don't have that much variety in your clothing. Well, if you want variety in your clothing, check out uh, Caribbean Apparel. All kinds of unique clothes, all kinds of just um, festive clothes, you know, clothes for the Caribbean. Something different. Uh, brighten up your clothing, brighten up your look with Caribbean Apparel. Click the link on our website or wherever you um, listen to the podcast at, and check it out. Uh, I haven't, I haven't bought anything from there yet, but I'm very, I'm intrigued. I, I need, I need some excitement in my clothes. I'm, I'm kind of a boring guy when it comes to that. All right, let's close out with this story. I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, I, I guess a scare tactic maybe out there is. Oh, we're going to have vaccine passports. And it's interesting because that still gets mentioned on by some Republicans in Fox News. And, 
you know, President Biden has come out and said, hey, we're not interested in vaccine passports. But, you know, there are some companies like the NFL draft a couple weeks ago said, hey, you know, you need to get vaccinated if you come to the draft. Well, now there's a Columbus couple. They're getting married. But they're saying, hey, if you want to come in person to the wedding, we need you to get vaccinated. Brandon, you've been married for a while. I know you were married long before the COVID virus. Um, not long before. Maybe like two, long two, before. a year or so before. <laughs> well, I mean, you, the, the marriage license was dry by the time COVID started. It wasn't like you, you were passing the newlyweds, same, I guess. But um, I don't know. What, what do you think about this? Um, you know, they're requiring it. Um, you, you think it's a step too far? Is that something you and your wife would have considered if you, if you were getting married at this time? I mean... I don't. I don't know. I, that is a good point. I mean, like, especially if there are some people who have like a good medical reason not to get vaccinated. There are plenty of medical reasons out there. I should add. Um, so I. I think. Um, but I really. I'm not sure what the restrictions are like at this point. I know that the governor kind of came in and said, you know, no more, no more dances of that kind of nature. That might change, of course, as uh, restrictions might get lifted in the summer. But. Um, so maybe even then, you know, if you want to get, have normalcy or have a fun night, um, yeah, come out to get vaccinated. I think, though, you know, an accommodation of so sorts, maybe it's like, you know, you're welcome to come to the ceremony outdoors, wear a mask, but you can't participate in the festivities. Um, I think that might be something to allow, you know, um, or consider. Of course, you know, we it, it's sometimes it's a little bit complicated with the venue you might be having your wedding at because some venue, some, some, sometimes the venue might use, uh, use the, uh, use the attendance at a ceremony for the, Oh, this is how many we're going to have at the reception. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure you could put it on like, you know, Facebook live or zoom or something. I, I would guess. Right. Yeah. But not the same. So, Craig, how would you and your wife have done it? Would you guys have gone vaccination mandatory wedding? Um, you know, I, I can't speak for her on this, but I think we would. Um, we have some family members that have some health conditions that would make them susceptible to the virus. And I just feel like if, if they're going to be there, you know, and, and obviously they would be vaccinated probably, but you still don't want to take a chance on it even, even still. Um, so yeah, I, I think we would probably make it mandatory. And if someone wouldn't wasn't able to get it or decided not to get it, then that's understandable. That's their decision. But um, if they want to join that celebration, then you know I think we'd feel more comfortable if they were vaccinated. If everybody was vaccinated, my family's kind of struggling with something. On um, one of the more noble events of the summer is we have a family picnic on Fourth of July. Uh, we also have a pic not a picnic, but inside, you know, meal on Thanksgiving. And that's our two chances to see one side of the family in a year. And uh, last year was canceled because of COVID. They're going to try it this year. Um, it's outside. I mean, there's really no reason, I guess, unless you have to use the bathroom to go inside. But, you know, sometimes there's up to 40 people there. And we're uh, if things stay on a positive uh, arrow with COVID. We're going to try it. Uh, hopefully we're making the right decision, but you know, we're going to be outside and we're going to try to stay away from people as much as possible. I, I mean, I guess you got to make your own decisions and I, I like how this couple, you know, like my family, I'm sure some people may not choose to come because of COVID, but I like the fact where options are available for people. And, you know, in the story, uh, the groom was talking about he lost a groomsman over it, where the groom was like, I'd love to be part of your special day. I just don't feel comfortable, so I'm going to have to take a pass. But, you know, I'm, yeah, they're still friends, and they'll, they'll still be able to celebrate. I don't know. I mean, I, I, see, this being a, I see this being a good thing. I, I think, you know, we need to be, what do you call it, uh, just kind to each other and understanding of where people are coming from. And Offer alternatives if you can for people. Um, just because people can't come, you can't say, hey, you can't be part of it. Maybe, you know, if it's a family get-together or 
a um, you know wedding, still offer you know maybe like there'll be a family call halfway during the event or whatever else the case might be. I don't know I can see it working. I, I, Brandon, I can see more events kind of going this way as time goes on too. Do you think? Sorry, what was that last bit? Question getting Chris, you broke I, up. I apologize. Oh no, my bad. Uh, I was going to say um, I can see more events going this direction too. You know, maybe like an online option and everything. Yeah, I think um, I'm sure. You know, we've all became quick experts at Zoom. I think over the past year, and I think um, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be um, um, something that. They're gonna. There's some things we're gonna take away from this pandemic, and we're gonna still use in our day to day lives. Um, it's and I think they're gonna be. It's like it's it's a shift, you know. In a way, it's always like it, you would think. Um, it's funny because there's some things like remote work. Whatever, like remote work is always a good example because a lot of companies were still sticking on to the traditional. Hey, if you're you know if your butt's not in the seat, you're not you're not doing your job. But I think um, you know. It took a pandemic to say, "Hey, there are some perks and pros and pros to it." So it's not. It's like it forced. It forced. Maybe it might get some good change out out of this at the end of the day. It's interesting. Um, yeah, my work. I do a lot of work with our papers up in the Akron and Canton area, and they, they've announced they're going to try to go back in June, or no, I, I think it was July, either June or July. But the one thing they're saying is to say, "Hey, a you don't have to go back." And B, there's pretty strict protocols. So even for someone like me, and it's not to say I would never go up there, but, you know, with online options, it's not even just say, hey, are you scared of COVID? I think it saves time. It saves money. I mean, for me, physically, to get up there, it's a two-hour drive right now. If you do it online, you're saving a two-hour drive up, a two-hour drive back. I mean, I, I could see saving time. It could save money. I mean, just think about these um, businesses that, you know, a lot of times salesmen have to fly every week. Well, you know, I, I think there's still something to say about in-person meetings, but, man, if you could save flights and everything, man, what better way of saving money during a tough time? Because it's going to be tough for everyone after COVID, too. So, yeah, it'll be interesting just to see what happens with how business goes. So, should be good. All right. Well, hey, um got through everything with the Ohio today. Um, any shout you guys want to give out before we um, take off for today? Or anything uh, actually, actually, I think I, I kind of do. Um, uh -oh. You know, even though even though yesterday it was my birthday, it was also my sister's birthday, Kendra. She is my twin. She's older oh, by wow. two minutes, so it was also her birthday. So I just want to say happy birthday to my sister, Kendra. Man, we, we've got to have Kendra on sometime. <laughs> Uh, Brandon, do you have questions for Kendra? I didn't realize that uh, Craig and Kendra are two minutes apart. Yeah. Uh, no, I have no questions. Uh, happy birthday to Kendra. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wondered because when Craig first came on the show, we're like, okay, he's the the even keel guy, the straight guy, the guy that you know isn't a wild card per se. But, you know, I, I think back to the infamous Nickelodeon conversation. I, I mean, the more we peel back the onion on Craig, I mean, just uh, he, he's a crazy man. And I, I, I'll be interested to see what Kendra thinks or if Kendra is as crazy or worse or I don't know. You know? <laughs> well, I love her to death, but you can't always trust what, you, what she says about me. Unless it's uh, not, then you can. So, All right. Uh, Brandon, anything you want to mention before we take off then? Uh, no, I'll just, might well, be one thing is I'll just another show. I'll, I, we don't want to talk too much crew on this show, but I'll just no. say plead <laughs> ownership. Uh, you suck. <laughs> uh, listen to the fans, be honest with the fans, stop pandering. Uh, and I'll probably just keep saying that at the end of every show for early for a while now, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, hey, that took 30 seconds. That's okay. I mean, that's why. <laughs> You know, we could do these shout-outs for, for Craig's twin or, or Brandon's crew. Um, I'll, I'll use my uh, thought at the end of the day just to promo some stuff we got coming up. Um, Thursday, we got another show just like this. Yeah, it's Wednesday. I, I'm losing track of the days. I, it's only blank to go, what is today? No, no, we got another show coming up with us on Thursday, 
Friday, pop culture, and my goodness, um, Craig is talking to George Thomas. It, I don't know. It could be a 10-minute show. Um, don't be surprised if you open up your podcast provider and you're like, whoa, a 10-hour show. What's going on? You know? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, we've got content for all day Friday. Yeah, we've got a full slate ready. I don't think it'll be 10 minutes. It'll uh, it'll probably go on for a little bit. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. even, if, even if the George conversation doesn't last a super long time, uh, Craig also is talking to Bob Garver. He's got his own individual reviews. And um, I will say George will leave the show. Nothing against Bob Garver, but I, I'm not sure we should leave the show with Bob. Uh, and then um, Saturday, oh, my goodness, um, Paul and Joe – um, my other, our other podcast compatriots, uh, we recorded a Steelers show we released earlier in the day, uh, earlier this week, I mean, and then, um, we also have on Saturday, my goodness, we talked about all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, we did an extra kind of like a pop culture show. Um, Brandon Craig, I don't know if you heard about this crazy story over the weekend. Well, there's actually two we talked about that we really liked in Nashville, a guy got arrested he had a colostomy bag. He took off the colostomy bag and started waving it around, and yes. it got on police officers. And uh, we talked about what happens with colostomy bags. A lot of colostomy bag discussions. You got to tune in for that. And also, too, one of my favorite stories, a girl moved from Oklahoma uh, to, I believe, Arkansas. She found a cheap apartment. And she was all excited. It turned out to be a senior citizen apartment complex. So she's 19. She moved away for the first time, and she got a cheap place. And, she, and she's talking about how wonderful it is. And they can't do anything about it because, you know, equal housing. So, yeah, if you're into that, check out that. Uh, Paul will have a book review on Sunday. Uh, Paul's got some vo- devotions to share. He is from Ohio, but he's a pastor in the Pittsburgh area. Check those out, too. All right, and as always, share our show, check out our sponsors. Again, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate appreciate it every day. We appreciate the support. Uh, Keep clicking our website. Lots of good stuff are happening there. Well, for Brandon and his crew and Craig and his Kendra, well, his twin sister, Kendra. Twin sister, yes. Uh, This is Chris. Thanks for checking out the Highland. Y'all have a great day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast, and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.